I lived in the sex commune where everyone paid attention to what is a really good sex life like? What would that be like if we had gourmet sex? And so I was learning to be good in bed, which was for me this amazing thing where I was suddenly getting more sex than I ever thought. Previous me was starving. All of a sudden I had more than I could possibly deal with. My name is Evan Meyer, and you're listening to the Undomesticate podcast, a show where we explore how to deprogram domestication, restore the health of our body, mind, and spirit, and return to our sovereign roots. Welcome to episode five of the Undomesticate podcast with Ken Blackman. Ken is someone I connected with online through a mutual friend on Facebook. And after reading a few of his articles on Medium and seeing the testimonials of the lives he's changed, particularly when it comes to sex and relationship, I just knew he had to come on the podcast. Ken started out in the tech world, working for Apple in his 20s before suddenly realizing his personal idiosyncrasies were holding him back from connecting deeply with other people. This led him on a journey of self-discovery and transformation where he learned how to connect authentically with other humans, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually. He has now been coaching others in the realm of intimacy, relationship, and connection for over 23 years. And in this episode, we explore Ken's journey living in a sex commune, how to have deep, lasting intimacy with your partner beyond sex, the universal reason why we all enter relationship, how to create a relationship that gets better and better over time, why women struggle to give men feedback and how to shift this through sex, what it means to be attuned to your partner, the difference between expressing a need and acting entitled, how to co-create a relationship that is more powerful than you ever thought possible, and so much more. Finally, I just want to mention, if you've been enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, or preferably both. Leaving us a review really helps us curate better guests. It helps improve the ranking of this show, and it actually just really inspires me to keep creating, to keep going, to build momentum to make better and better content because i know that people are actually listening i know that people are enjoying this i know that people are getting something out of this so go ahead please leave us a review it means so much to me i read every single one if you want to just brighten my day and bring a smile to my face go ahead and do that you can do that on apple spotify wherever you listen to podcasts it means so much all right that's my plug for today let's go ahead and get to this episode with the one and only ken blackman well Ken Blackman, welcome to the Undomesticate podcast. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. I yeah. was really excited about this when I heard the vibe of the of the podcast. So absolutely, yeah. No, I, I appreciate you coming out here and uh, taking time today, having you know never met before and, and really just exchanged a few brief words. Yeah, uh, I'm actually curious. It's Craig connected us, right? That's right, Craig File. How do you know Craig File? We go back quite a few years. Um, I I have worked with him. Um, he I went through his uh, Genius Room program, oh, yeah. which is amazing. And uh, he's also been a student of mine. And so we've supported each other and had like different chapters of our of our friendship. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Craig's a great guy. Craig and I, and shout out to anyone watching or listening to this uh, for Craig Filek because he does, did you do his purpose mapping? Yeah. Yeah, just incredible, incredible work. Um, yeah. He's worked with a lot of great people I know, and, and we we did men's work with uh, a mutual teacher, John Wineland, years mm-hmm. ago, and, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how we, we weave through each other's lives, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really love Craig. He's he's such a unique uh, person. In yeah, the world. and he's putting together a powerful like purpose mapping. Really like aligns you with your deeper stuff. So absolutely. 
So I'm curious, you know, um, for anybody watching or listening to this, just if you could give me a brief introduction about kind of what you do, you know, and also maybe a backstory. How did you get to the work you do today? I read a little bit online. It sounded like you were, were you working for a major tech company, right? Was it? I was working, I was at Apple You're in at my Apple. 20s. Yeah. And uh, I was, you know, successful in most ways, but terrible in personal relationships, you mm-hmm. know, like... I was kind of bad in every way you can be bad. Like I was, I, I, have you heard of like nice guy syndrome? Of you know? course. Yeah, I know Robert yeah. Glover. Do you know Robert Yeah, Glo- yeah he's yeah. a good friend of so mine. So I managed to be misogynistic and have nice guy syndrome at the same time, <laughs> you know. And so I just really needed to crack that, that part of my life and have it, have it be as working as well as the other parts of my life. And so I did everything. I read all the books. I got amazing teachers and coaches. I went to therapy. You know, I even lived in a sex commune for a while. Mm-hmm. So all over the map, right? Some of it was amazing. Some of it was very toxic. Some, all, some of it was very enlightening, confidence building. Some of it was just c- totally wild. But over time, I started to like construct an, an understanding of how to connect with another human being, which was really what was missing for me. Mm. Like how to connect with myself and self-source a lot of stuff that I was trying to get from, from my partners. And then also how to actually connect with another human being at a, at a deeper level. And it was so transformative for me. I was like, oh, this is the work that I want to do. So mm. I left my career in tech. You know, I left Silicon Valley and have been doing this for full time for... I think 23, 23 oh, wow. years. So you've been in the game for a while. Yeah. What What was that inspiration like during that time, that turning point? Because a lot of people will float through life like, you know, that nice guy thing, which I think all nice guys are actually undercover misogynists. Yeah. And that's why they're nice guys. Yeah. Because then they get super reactive if they don't get what they want. There's right. this weird entitlement kind of stuff that comes up and this yeah, neediness. Yeah. And I'm sure we could explore that a little bit about how that transpires in relationship but what was the 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 light bulb that went off because doing this type of work regardless of what path you choose super confronting like not an easy path in fact it's often the harder path yeah a lot of people would it would be easier to stay as as kind of a misogynist nice guy in a lot of ways even if you're not getting what you want then kind of face yourself yeah i i i would say that i had the advantage of being in a community that had women who were intelligent capable, confident, and really dedicated to men getting hipped up, you know, men mm-hmm. getting getting the truth. Mm-hmm. And so they kept reflecting back to me, hey, you're being misogynistic right here. Hey, wow. you're being misogynistic right here. And I, I tell you, I couldn't see it because I, I held women on this really high pedestal, right? Yeah. Like, I, no, no, like my, you know, I was raised to not be the kind of caricature of a masculine man. I was actually kind of leaning in the other direction. Right. Um, so I believed that I had like women really high on a pedestal, but I was looking at them through, I was objectifying them. I was looking at them through a lens of a caricature. So I didn't, when they started pointing out or when I started to see how I related to men, like men are like me, we can talk about stuff, like we can have friendship and women were more like, and I, I, I'll tell you how excruciating it was when I started to see me doing this that women were more like a video game where mm. what's the sequence of, of moves <laughs> I need to do to get to the, sco- to get to the goal, yeah, right? Yeah. And so as they like gently, lovingly kept pointing out all these ways in which I was 
like treating them like not like a human being, not like me. And um, so that was a, that was a huge part of it. And there was this period of time during which I could hear the stuff coming out of my mouth. I wasn't fast enough to catch it, but I would say something and then I would cringe at the stuff that I was saying. <laughs> so that was happening. The other thing that was happening was like, as I was saying, I lived in the sex commune where everyone paid attention to what is a really good sex life like? What would that be like if we, if we, if we had gourmet sex? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so I was learning to be good in bed which was, for me, this amazing thing where I was suddenly getting more sex than I ever thought. Like, previous me was, was starving. All of a sudden, I had more than I could possibly deal with. And then it was the conversations that would take place after that mm. that I, could, I was realizing, oh, this is a nutrient unto itself that I always attach to sex. But this connection that that this woman who's telling me stuff that men don't usually hear or men don't usually listen to, and all of a sudden there's this like intimacy and connection, mm. and I realized, oh, the degree to which men try and get all of that through sex, or you know, and that that was an eye opener for me, and actually was the door to opening to more more connection. And what can be built in a relationship from that place? So, right, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, there's something about I, I really like that piece around you say like we use sex as the avenue to intimacy. Yeah, and I always find that kind of funny because also in order, in my experience, in order for a woman to really open to sex fully, she needs the intimacy there first. Yeah. So it's kind of like we we have this chicken and egg thing where yeah. we're, we're we're trying to do it in reverse orders. Yeah. Oftentimes, I mean. I had a lot of my beliefs about women exploded, but I also had a lot of beliefs about myself exploded and mm. what I thought I wanted versus what was actually nourishing to me mm. as a human being. And so that rewriting what I thought, what I thought I was going for was as big a part as, you know, understanding women through a different lens. Can you say more about that? Like, what is it that you thought yeah. you wanted that you, you actually were maybe yeah. looking for an underlying nourishment in that? Yeah. So let me put it this way. Um, if you think about technology and the technology that people use kind of as a substitute or a supplement for, you know, sex or relationship. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about it in the sex in the sex realm, but then we can expand it and talk about how it, how it applies across the board in all of our interactions. So um, men mostly turn to porn and women, uh, the, the primary thing that a woman will use is a vibrator. If it's like te technology, right. the technology they spend the most money on is going to be a vibrator. So for men, uh, well, let's talk about women. So there's this belief that women want, want love and men want sex, right? Uh, but it, the, where they spend their money is on something that gives them proper physical pleasure, proper clitoral st stimulation. Mm -hmm. um, so for us to kind of throw that out and say, oh, no, like that's not important to them. Mm -hmm. And the kind of sex that most people have kind of shortchanges women on that. Whereas men, um, what do we use? We use porn if we use... Um, if we use uh, f 
like objects, it's going to be like a doll or we hire a sex worker or something like that. So what do all those things have in common? What they have in common is we are drawn to other human beings. Like if it was just about my machinery, that's easy to, to operate. Mm-hmm. What I want is either watching other people in this state of orgasm mm-hmm. or like being with another human being. Like there's this piece around the other person and co-experiencing, sharing in their experience or experiencing it with them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and women are the opposite. Like they get the, like if they wanted to go out and have a co like experience someone else's pleasure, you know, that's easy for them to do. They can do that anytime. So, uh, the way I've come to understand it is we have easy access to physical pleasure, especially in the bedroom. That's not the hard part, but we crave empathetic pleasure, this co-experiencing with another human being Mm -hmm. and women have easy access. It's not that they don't want it, but they have easy access to experiencing other people like this empathetic piece. Mm. But then they get shortchanged on the physical pleasure. So if you can make physical pleasure, if you can make sex as enjoyable for them at a bodily level as it is for us, uh, then everything shifts. And so that's that piece where it's like, um, it's easy for me to just... Um, like I said, it's easy for me to have physical pleasure, Mm -hmm. but the empathetic piece is this piece that we all hunger for that draws us into a relationship. It's, it's what, you know, it's what drives us in a way we're not aware of. Absolutely. Yeah. What is it like with somebody, let's say, for example, you obviously work with people probably that have this problem. I imagine men and women where, you know, women, um, they they're not being held to like the they may be able to feel the empathy and the and the connection but they actually don't receive the 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 other side of it which is like the physical yeah you know what what how do you coach like a, a relationship or maybe specifically a man into creating more uh, like sexual abundance and what did you say like uh you used the word before i can't remember but it was like a more i guess delicious sex life for the both of them nourishing you know I mean? nourishing yeah, yeah nourishment yeah, yeah. for sure yeah yeah so um, well, I'll tell you what I did. I'll tell you what I did with my wife is I said, from now on, we're not going to do anything, uh, in the bedroom that isn't physically pleasurable to you. So your, your genitals are only going to experience things that, that are enjoyable. So, um, you know, like I, I, this is funny because she and I met, like we, we, we kind of ran in the same circles. So our first long conversation was actually a, a, a Facebook live. She was starting, she was starting to do Facebook lives and she had me on it as a guest. So that was the first time that we, that we spoke and we got into this topic of sex. And what I said was like, I don't care if I'm 10 seconds away from going over, like if it doesn't feel good to you, then, then we stop. And mm-hmm. that's what I train men to do. Like if, if, if it's pleasurable for her, then he's going to get everything that he actually wants and more like vastly more. Of course. Yeah. So, um, and that's all good and intellectual, but it's funny because, you know, over time she and I started to flirt and we, you know, had a distance relationship for a while and then, and then, and then we got together and got 
got engaged and married actually very quickly. Yeah. But uh, to actually have that experience uh, where she knows that um, it isn't going to be an, a, a, like a thing where her body is being used to pleasure someone else. Yeah. It's actually a source of pleasure for her. Mm. And it completely changes her relationship to sex. So that all makes sense. But in, maybe in like a sexual moment, like what would that look like? Are you constantly kind of, because it would be weird if you're checking in all the time, like, oh, this, you know, does this feel pleasurable? Are you still yeah. feeling pleasure? Is that kind of up to her to kind of communicate that? Or what kind of agreements or structure do you create yeah. to, to work on that? Because I just want to, I just want to add a little tidbit there. Like I think for anybody, just to reiterate, a man's pleasure, I, th- I think men don't realize how much more pleasurable sex is when your woman is fully in oh bloom and in pleasure. Yeah. It makes it makes it way it's way better than just getting off quickly. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because yeah. essentially, then you're just you're just it's just like you might as well watch porn or masturbate, yeah. right? But when she's in like the depth of her pleasure, the nourishment that you get from that, yeah. even if you weren't to ejaculate or anything, just the nourishment you receive from her pleasure because right. she can feel depths of, in my opinion, in my experience, depths of pleasure that we can't even touch, right? right? But we can kind of get the, like the, the aura of it almost that she's giving off is just so uh, profound and it's so counterintuitive to how most men approach sex, Yeah, right? So getting back to that question, like what do you do if, if someone listening or watching this is like, damn, I really want to, you know, I really want her to bring her into her full pleasure and not just enduring sex, you know what I mean? Right. Not, not having moments of discomfort and just kind of gritting her teeth through it or having to fake it or all the things that women feel like they have to do in order to, you know, be in a sexual moment with a man. Yeah. How do you create that? Well, it's, it's helpful if she's willing. And I'll tell you, men don't know how hard this is for women yeah. to actually start to give feedback, honest feedback, like the amount of space that we as men have to give just for a woman to feel safe enough to actually give feedback that could be uncomfortable because of her conditioning, you know, because of, of how women are so conditioned that, uh, so for example, there's this whole thing around clitor- clitoral stroking where you use your finger and you gently, gently stroke her clitoris, mm-hmm. right? And so um, in the sex commune where I lived, that was, that was a sex, that was a, a sex practice or not a practice but just like it was one of the sex acts that that people did a lot and um i'll tell you like a woman can be made an offer where i'm gonna just touch your clit and you tell me what you like you don't have to do anything like literally you don't have to do anything other than relax feel give me adjustments you know, if I'm not, if there's something that would feel better, that's all you have to do. You're not going to owe me anything, mm-hmm. nothing, right? Like it's, that's, that is the complete offer. I'm going to pleasure you. We can get up. If we didn't never talk again, I'm fine with it, right? Yep. I'll tell you how difficult it is for a woman to, to be on the receiving end of that. Like the whole time she might be thinking, am I doing this right? Am I breathing right? Am I supposed to be moaning? Is this pleasurable for him? Because that's how strongly women have been conditioned that their sex is for someone else. So it takes a long time just to make space for her to start to believe at a like uh, brainstem level. Yeah. Oh, I can actually just focus on my own pleasure. Mm. So if a guy gives space for that, 
listens to what she's telling him to do, uh, learns what feels good to her body, and starts to like calip. This is this is a big uh, a long thing. This is a lifelong journey. Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah. gonna kind of say where this can get to, Go for but it. it's not like day one. <laughs> yeah. But where you can get to with that is like she's telling you what you know. She's giving you little adjustments. Could you slow down a little bit? A little bit to the left, and then something clicks, and you feel her body light up, and in that moment, there's this connection between. You start to become aware of your, the degree to which you can feel her. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, like, I don't know, maybe she's been like either keeping her mouth shut or maybe exaggerating a little bit or something. But then when that w- in that moment, all your attention is here. It's not on your 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 body. Mm-hmm. It's on her, and you feel that that ignition, like. <gasps> Oh, like there's real, there's pleasure and get off there. And if you do that 10, 20, 30, 100, 1,000 times, you can get to a place where you're so dialed into her that like, let's say now you're having sex and something like feels a little bit off to her. Mm -hmm. You feel it before she tells you. Like that's how dialed in you are. And... The, you start to realize also, like from this place where you, you, your body is not involved. Oh, this is a thing. Just being in physical contact with a woman who's in this state of pleasure, that is a nourishment that is separate. It's not like a replacement for, but it's completely separate from my own genitals. Mm-hmm. And so there's, yeah, I love being inside of her. Fucking, it's amazing. It feels fantastic to be inside of her. But there's this whole second piece of just the empathetic component mm. that those two together, like, I I can't have sex where she's not enjoying it. Like, if 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 her pleasure is going down, my pleasure is going down. Mm. We are that tied in with each other, yeah. and so there gets you start to have this realization that you know if you're having sex where one person's you know I'm having a great time and the other one isn't. That's disconnection. Yeah. So you start to have connection-based sex, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. What I'm hearing is there's a, the kind of words that are coming to me for a man is to practice attunement. Yeah. Like really attuning to your partner. And of course, this is, this is much, much easier when you're in a long-term committed relationship with one partner where you start to learn yeah, their yeah, body yeah. and their ways of being. Also learning the ways that they close, their traumas, the things that come up. And I would... I would also just uh, agree and reiterate, I didn't realize how hard it is for a woman to like ask for what she wants, like in general, yeah. but certainly in the bedroom. Because for, for me, just being in my masculine frame and, well, I just ask for what I want. You know what I mean? What's the, what's the deal with that? You yeah. know. But for her, there it's, it's like a, a slow coaxing and building of trust that she's going to be okay, that she, I'm not going to be upset with what she's sharing. All those kind of things it takes yeah. time to kind of massage that. So the attunement piece, and then just being really sensitive, mm-hmm. right? Do you have any ideas of how men, because I think sensitivity for men is a big thing. Like, and I don't mean, like, and I mean sensitivity in a broad term of, yeah. of having that ability to feel other people, yeah. feel other people's experience, yeah. other men, other women, children, all that kind of stuff, yeah. animals, like anything, right? Yeah. Feeling the moment, the sensitivity of the moment and feeling kind of 
operating and making decisions from a deeper place yeah. rather than what do I want right now? Or I don't want this right now or all the kind of things that we go to. How do I fix it right now? Yeah. You know, what do I need to do to get her off or, you know, fix this problem or end this argument or all these kind of things, right? Yeah. And building the sensitivity, which I am even after years of a lot of practice and work, I am still like working very hard on becoming more sensitive to those micro moments where just the the slight wrong movement, not even wrong movement, but the slight unattuned movement or the tone that just wasn't quite right. You know yeah. what I mean? And she's like, uh, and she feels it. I'm like, wow, I, I'm not even aware that I'm doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think s- sexuality and, and sex and in the bedroom is such a, it's such a microcosm. Like it's such a concentrated area of yeah. kind of the macro. Yeah. Would you agree? Kind 100%. Of, yeah. Like, like my focus in the beginning was on how to how to have a great a great sex life mm-hmm. but all of the coaching that I do now like I coach couples um, mostly on relationship with with sex being one component of it but so much of what I learned about how men and women relate to each other in general I learned through the lens of how men and women relate with each other in the bedroom mm-hmm. so those skills that you're talking about, like arts, they serve you throughout, you know, and, and it also like you're hitting on something that I have this strong belief that relationships and sex can get better over time with the same person. Cause you, you have this opportunity to, like you said, really get, get attuned to each other. Um, I give this analogy of, um, like if the two of you cook a meal together, once or twice a week, right? And, um, you know, it's no big deal. It's just something you like to do together. You, 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 you cook a meal, you enjoy it together. Now, you start out, you have, you know, she's got her favorite things that she likes. She's got these foods that she avo- avoids. You've got your favorite things. There, there's foods you, you avoid. So the first thing is, how can you both get up from, from dinner, both having had what you want, right? So that's the basic thing. Same thing in in sex. Like, how can you get up from the bedroom, both of you having gotten what you want, and neither of you having to, like, do something that is unpleasurable for you? Mm -hmm. That is totally possible. It's totally easy. That's step one, right? So you keep going, you keep going. You've got your meals dialed in. You start to get your flow in the kitchen, you know, like, oh, I'm really good at steak. She's really good at asparagus. Mm -hmm. Um Oh, I want to try this. I I want to try this new cuisine. I want to try this new herb. So that gets added in. You you like it. You take you know. Oh well, this, I kind of took this French technique and applied it to this recipe over <laughs> this is here. Such a great analogy. Yeah, little by little, <laughs> yeah. like you're dialing in. And five years from now, ten years from now, those meals are going to be better than anything you can get in a restaurant because it's dialed in. Yeah. Without. A lot of drama yeah. without a lot of athleticism without a lot of like it was just this thing that happened because you put attention you talked about the experience before during and after like what yeah. you know oh this is really delicious oh I didn't really like it that much okay well we'll add a little more for when you know so now you've got these meals that are better than you can have in in a restaurant so your sex life can be that way too do you yeah. know what I mean and so I see out in the world this belief that there's this honeymoon phase and everything like all you're trying to do is to keep put off 
the inevitable that it's going to go downhill. The best you can do is postpone that as long as possible. I don't believe that. I think your relationship can get better over time. Your sex can get better over time. Your bond, the way you support each other, the way you have each other's backs, the way you understand each other, you know, all of it can get better over time. And that's, to me, why you get into relationship, Yeah. right? It's, it's not, yes, it's about picking the right person. But if your belief is it's best, this is this is the best we're going to get. And please don't change anything, you know, like, no, we're going to grow and change. And what you can create is going to be better than than where you started. Yeah, that's that's the dream. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I, yeah. I think it's so funny that people that whole honeymoon phase thing. It's like, you know, you have two years of, of, of beauty and then the stuff comes up and then you kind of just flatline or after you get married, you flat, you know what I mean? You have yeah. a few weeks or whatever it is. And then you, you kind of flatline yeah. and what an uninspiring just frame to hold relationship in. Who would want to yeah. endure that? Like who would want to go through that? Yet that is the paradigm. That is the belief that we just acquiesce and we start having less sex and then we start, you know, he goes and hides in the garage or in the wherever and she, you know, yeah. she's with her girls all the time or something like that. Like there's some, all these kind of archaic paradigms that we have around how a relationship goes. And I don't blame people for believing that because oftentimes when you look at our parents and, and their relationships, it kind of is how it went. Yeah. Right? We become avoidant, we become detached and then whether it leads to infidelity or you just stay together because of your kids or, you know, you just stay together because of finances or all these reasons that we, and I keep using this word because it feels very relevant. It's like we endure, like we endure bad sex, like both men and women, you know, certainly women more than men, but I think men are just, are not conscious of how much better it could be. Same with relationship. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I, I've noticed in my own relationship, go ahead. Yeah. We really don't have role models. Exactly. And a lot of what we're taught is, um, like, okay, so our approach to life and it makes sense is, um, you, you visualize or imagine a a thing that could be amazing that you want to experience. And then you take, do the steps to have that experience. But I don't, the best relationships, this is going to sound kind of paradoxical, but the best relationships that I've seen aren't someone's like the realization of someone's um vision like in that in that in that approach the best you can do is that someone matches your perfectly matches every piece of your vision you're you preconceived the vision now you're looking for someone who can who can plop in like a puzzle piece and all of your judgments are about you know do they okay, fit into it yeah, do they not okay yeah. 90% 70% I, I've been around long enough to think I'm not going to get any better than that, so I'm going to like go go with that. But the best, most profound experiences that we can have with another human being are totally not on that map. They're, we don't have a, a conception of the kinds of experiences that two human beings can really have. And so the the best relationships are these places where your mind is blown. It was not what you were expecting. In fact, a lot of times we're drawn to someone who isn't our type. Like, I don't know why I'm drawn to you. You're, you are not what I had in mind. But something about this is, is amazing and, and, and chemist, chemical and like 
our luminous beings are are relating with each other. So um, I think there's this there's something that arises that you can't preconceive. Um, and uh, Joni Mitchell has this amazing quote. I'll, I'll share I'll share it with you later. So you know where you wherever you post this mm-hmm. this quote is it's a longer quote, but there's this place where she says, if you want the same experience again and again and again, keep dating new people. If you want infinite variety, stick with one person. Yeah. And her point there is, um, after you've like done all your moves and had, you know, like all that stuff and all that falls away and it's just you and another human being, that's the moment when you start either you're like, okay, I'm done, I'm out of here, or you start co-creating something that neither of you has has done before, neither of you has experienced before. You start getting into territory that's beyond what you preconceived of. You have no map for it either because you've never been there before with this unique individual and you two coming together in this unique way. And like you said, there's, there's kind of this, there's something happening beyond... You kind of enter like a liminal space almost with yeah. this person, and then you're at choice there. And I would say that most people either continue to try to fit that person into their puzzle, yeah. or they just eject and be like, oh, well, this is clearly not the person for me. Yeah. So, you know, I can speak from personal experience. What do you what do you provide your clients or relationships that come to you where they're at this kind of crux, where they're like, the disillusionment phase is, you know, is, I'm disillusioned. This is not who I thought it was, but we've been married for three, four, five, ten 10 years, whatever it is. Yeah. And we, we want to deepen. Yeah. Like, well, where do you start with people? Yeah, it's a good question. I start with, um, what, tell me about how you met. Tell me about what had you look at this person like, oh, I think there's something there. What had you choose this person, right? And uh, n- even even now today, as you guys are struggling with this, and maybe even having questions about like, is this still alive? Like, tell me, <coughs> excuse me, tell me what in your relationship is good. Like, what do you love about this person? What 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 is what is great about the relationship? Because relationships don't end. Like the problems, like maybe we disagree, we have fights, we want to live in different places, we have, like our, our visions aren't aligned. All that stuff can be worked out. What, where relationships fail is that there isn't enough good to make it worth it. Mm-hmm. If, if the good is good enough, and often what happens is like on the surface, there's all these ways in which things aren't working, but there I can feel and I, I, I show them, like I have them feel, no, there's this deeper connection between the two of you, and the relationship needs to be constructed from the stuff of that. And so um, often there's this process of getting rid of all the, like, here's, here's what brought us together. Like, as, as um, I, I, I use this phrase, luminous beings, you know, mm-hmm. in the Yoda sense, but mm-hmm. that's, I haven't come up with a better word for it, but like the two people behind the facade, mm-hmm. so th- like le- we can, I can feel, I know you guys can feel why you guys are together. And so 
then now that then you got into a relationship, you had all these ideas about how the relationship was supposed to go, what was supposed to happen. Like here's, you know, here's what's supposed to happen when you get married. Here's what's supposed to, ha you know, here's like why aren't you doing the thing that I expect? And we kind of start dismantling all of that and constructing a unique relationship that's made of the stuff that of who they are. And from the ground up, we're going to start to actually build a relationship that's uniquely made from the ingredients of who, who the two of you are. And I show them how to do that. And um, so that's, that's basically the process. Like often it's just getting rid of all the expectations and getting to the core of what, what actually brought them together. I find that there's a piece around our humanity. It's like when you kind of clear everything out and you let go of the judgments and the expectations and, and all of this kind of stuff that we build on top about how a relationship is supposed to go, yeah. we're just left with like two humans in this very sometimes vulnerable kind of raw space where that's where people get so confronted in my opinion that yeah. they choose to be like, no, I'm out actually. And then I can go back into the illusion of meeting someone and the whole process of that. And then we get through, we get to that place where it's just raw again. And then I eject and so many people go through and this might take, it might happen in months. It might happen in years. Right. But eventually we reach this place and I don't know, I'm sure both men and women often experience this, but I know for, for, in my experience, I've usually been the first one to be like, mm, no, too much. And she's like fighting for it, mm. right? Like, no, like this is where we begin. This yeah, is kind of yeah. where the real relationship begins. And I'm like, no, this is too much, yeah. right? This is too confronting. I don't want to look at this stuff. I don't want to have to, you know, um, confront some of these things and the ways that I'm being and what we were saying before, my sensitivities. I'd rather just go find someone new, yeah. right? And, and, and so many men that I, I work with men as well, so many men get to this place in their relationship where their woman is so malnourished and she, she stays with them, but she's not receiving that depth of like real intimate connection. And this is way beyond the bedroom, mm -hmm. right? Because there, we hit this place where we kind of put up a wall, yeah. you know what I mean? I don't want to go any further over this wall, yeah. right? And so part of that is, is just bearing witness to our humanity, which is, is very confronting, I think, for people because it's not the, it's not the fairy tale. Yeah. It's not what you're sold on, yeah. right? And, and, and the fact that that is the avenue to things getting deeper and better and better, better sex and better relating and more intimacy and more connection and knowing things about yourself that you might have never known and, and knowing someone so well in a way that you've never known anyone, that holding on to that stuff that's like really good, like why did we come together in the first place, I think is so powerful because we have a tendency as the bad accumulates that's all we focus on we yeah. put 90 percent of our attention on all the ways it's not working yeah and then we kind of destruct the relationship from there because that's what we think the whole relationship represents and we have may have met two ten five you know 15 20 years ago but we've completely disconnected with the reasons that brought us together yeah hey y'all i hope you're enjoying this conversation with ken blackman i just wanted to jump in here for a minute and share a bit about an offering that i have for you and that is one-on-one -on -one coaching see my life significantly transformed the moment that I recognized I couldn't do everything myself, that I needed support from someone that was willing to see the things that I couldn't see that were holding me back in my life, as well as help me enact a vision beyond what I thought was possible. And that is the power of true, deep, transformational one-on-one -on -one coaching. Now, I've been coaching one-on-one -on -one clients for the last three years, 
And I have been getting supported by a coach for the last three years as well. It's something that I'll always be doing for the rest of my life because I understand the power of having someone in your corner that's not willing to let you off the hook, that sees the light and the greatness that you are, especially in the times that you can't see it yourself. So what I offer is nothing to do with how to make more money or how to wake up earlier or how to have a better morning routine or all that kind of bullshit that typical coaches will try to sell you because none of that fucking matters if you don't relate to your life in an empowered and powerful way. You see, we are going to affect change at the deepest layers of your being. That is where true transformation happens because that way, when our relationship ends, you still have the tools, have the practices, have the resources, and ultimately have fundamentally changed the entire way you look at your life. And that's the layer that I work at when I work with clients. No other coaches are really doing this kind of shit. Most coaching out there is total bullshit. It's total fluff. Someone takes a weekend certification and then they call themselves a coach and they start helping you on time management. All of that is bullshit if you hate the life you've created. So if you're really ready to do profoundly deep transformational work, that will permanently change your life forever. Relationally, spiritually, you'll start living a life of purpose. You'll start living a life of vitality. You'll wake up really empowered and in control of your destiny. Then go ahead and reach out to me, evanmeyer.co forward slash coaching. You can find it there. You can apply through there. I only have a couple of spots. I only take on five clients at a time. I've got a couple spots left. It is a big investment, six months, it's not cheap, but if you're really committed to your growth, if you're really committed to becoming the person that you know you're capable of being and know that the next step is to have someone in your corner, I highly, highly recommend you reaching out. Happy to get into conversation with you, jump on a call, give you a taste of what I'm creating in the world, how I can help you, and we can go from there. So again, reach out, evanmeyer.co forward slash coaching, and let's get back to this episode with Ken Blackman. And we have, may have met two, 10, five, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but we've completely disconnected with the reasons that brought us together. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. Right. Yeah. And that you're right. Like everything that we hunger for that I believe we as men have, haven't been told that this is actually the thing that we're hungry, hungering for what we've been told we, we want, you know? Some hot young chick mm-hmm. who looks good, does a lot of things for us, um, you know, is is good in bed, and that that is an experience that we're told is the pinnacle of what what it is like. If we get that, then we will be happy. Well, I'll tell you, having having had that enough times, you realize, oh, that's not actually the thing that I'm hungering for. And I think what happens is. A lot of guys, yeah, they get to this place where they get confronted because now we could actually get into the into the good stuff. But another thing that happens is they keep going from person to person to person because they're not confronting that that experience, even when they're successful in having that experience, they're not confronting. It's not it's not actually feeding them the way they they think it's going to, mm-hmm. and they haven't awakened to oh, there's this other thing. So, for example. I have worked with a lot of guys who who were in the pickup world, right? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, they're they've been successful with respect to the goals that pickup has. They've actually succeeded, and they don't understand what's next. 
And so we start to have this conversation. And often, believe it or not, it, it arises in the context of clitoral stroking, right? Where they start to realize something, something about that experience that separates their penis from the from the, the equation, but gives them another way of, of connecting with a woman. And all of a sudden, they start to awaken to this piece that has all these facets we've been talking about this whole time, which is, um, like, these we're, we've been talking this whole time about these different ways where there's this thing that we hunger for as human beings, not, not just like as men, but as human beings, that we've been deprived of because of our conditioning about what we're supposed to want. Mm-hmm. And so um, we either keep going to that experience and not really getting nourished by it, or we we get to the end of it and there's this whole other world that could open up and we, we're scared of it. Uh, but you're right. On the other side of that wall is all the things that we actually um, are most hungry for. Yeah, it's this piece around men having one avenue to seek kind of feminine nourishment and that's penetration essentially yeah. or some sort of sexual act yeah and i think all men can agree if they're really honest with themselves like that's a you get there and you're like okay like yeah it, it, yeah you could chase that forever it's like it's like quick little hits where you oh, a little bit of dopamine and you feel better but yeah. then you end up you're you're laying in bed alone again or you're sitting at home alone again and you're bored and you reach for whatever porn or whatever beer or any habit that you have that habitual desire to be like filled with that nourishment and and so often men don't understand that their woman or a woman a partner can bring them that nourishment so consistently that yeah. it, it actually fills up and expands their entire life where naturally a lot of that other stuff that we try to fill that void with tends to fall away would you agree yeah yeah and i would ex- i would say it ex- as you said before it extends to the rest of our lives where um, I reached a point where I realized that I want, I, I started to realize, oh, I really hunger for intimacy, but I have been looking at the world through the lens of th- all of the intimacy that I crave, I can only get from a woman in a romantic sexual relationship. And so as I started to expand my, my, my vision and my understanding of what what I was really hungry for, I started to see how much I had isolated myself from other men and how just a close friendship with men became so much more valuable than I had been. Like I, I had almost been trained not to be friends with to not to be friends with the other men, either because competition mm-hmm. or because, you know, uh men represent a certain kind of toxic masculinity that I had been raised to stay away from. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, like I was putting, and we do this, I was putting all of the burden of meeting my needs onto one woman, right? Mm -hmm. Where my relationship with, with my woman got so much better when I started to have friendships with men. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden it wasn't all of my starvation was getting had to be met by this one human being like nobody is going to be able to live up to it and the amount of emotional labor that a woman needs to do you know in order to actually relate with with us so my friendships with men greatly improved my relationships with women absolutely yeah for me like um 
brotherhood yeah. right has been such a medicine yeah. for me to receive a different flavor of nourishment as yeah. well like it's it's different and i had a similar kind of experience i had male friends when i was growing up but really for the most part got a lot of that nourishment from women you mm-hmm. know they're just my my buds or whatever like that yeah. and it wasn't until in my late 20s that i really focused intentionally by joining men's groups by getting really intimate and like vulnerable with men in a mm-hmm. way that i hadn't before because i was very guarded and protected mm-hmm. from sharing too much or looking weak or all yeah. the kind of th- shit that men get conditioned into right yeah. and they're my competition and like you know the cutting each other down was the only way we really bonded all that kind of shit yeah but until i really allowed myself to get sourced because there's something different when you spend a lot of time with just men. And I think that the reciprocal is true too, that women getting nourished. For, I know from in my relationship, when my wife goes off on a trip with her women for four or five days or even just an evening with them, she comes back like so full yeah. in a way that like I can't provide because yeah. I, just, I just can't provide the gifts that she needs to receive that level of, of fullness, yeah. you know? Uh, and so having those periods, you know, whether it's days or, or trips or, or even just hours with our respective, you know, sex and, and, and spending time with them in order to come back, actually come back to the relationship more fully nourished, I think is so important. Yeah. Super important. I would also ask, I'm curious because you said this is really common. Like how do we, aside from obviously spending time with friends or establishing better relationships, the whole idea of kind of putting all of our emotional all of our needs on our partner, like codependent. I don't know if, would you call that codependency or? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do we like? That's even for me, I've noticed that come up in, in every relationship, including the relationship that I'm in now. And I'm very aware of the ways that I do that. Like I rely on her and then I kind of resent her for not being able to meet those things sometimes. Yeah. And she does the same to me and we're, we're trying to figure that out. Right. What yeah. do you, what do people do about that? Or how do we explore that? I mean, join a men's group. Yeah. Or if you're a woman, join a women's group. Like find for like it, it, it has to be volitional. You can express a desire. You can express a want. You can express a need without like where, where it uh, goes off track is it becomes an entitlement. Like you're, you, you are not, you are not entitled to it. And just because you can simultaneously say, it is a need that I have and I have to figure out how to, how to get this need met. And it is only your, it is not your responsibility. It is only your responsibility to the degree that you volitionally want to play that role in my, in, in my life. Mm-hmm. And to the degree that you don't want to play that role in my life, I, it, it is my responsibility to find other ways to, to get, to get that, that need filled. And so all of a sudden you're in a completely vo- volitional um, relationship. And I'll say this, I often work with guys who very much pride themselves on being the provider protector role, right? Mm -hmm. They're the provider, the protector, and they're kind of attached to that, that role. Right. And so I start to talk, talk to them and start to expose. If you believe this is your job, it's your role. Let's talk about the unspoken job. Like it's her job to do this. And um, they're smart enough to know it's not sex. Like, like that's not what it is. But there's this place where I ask them about their arguments. And the argument is always, 
you know, I, I, I work all day. I come home. I do all this stuff. Like I, all the stuff you asked me to do, all I want is for you to be happy. And you, and you are in breach of con- contract with me for not being happy. Because we source, we've, we've outsourced to her the role of being the source of happiness in the relationship. Because mm. we don't, we, we haven't gotten in touch with our own emotions, right? Mm. We haven't actually, we don't have enough emotional intelligence or emotional maturity. That's her domain. It's her job to be the source for the family of, of happiness and good feelings and all that stuff. And if she's not doing that, by golly, she's, she's in breach of contract, right? That's, that's what those two roles, that's, that's what, what comes along with that pro- pro- provider-protector role. Right. And when, I start to, he, when he starts to awaken to that expectation and, and entitlement, and we start to dismantle it, and I have to look him in the face and say this very uncomfortable thing, which is, you're entitled to nothing. And he realizes, oh my God, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm not entitled to anything. I, this is a volitional relationship. No, we've, we're married. There's, there's no agreement that, that can't be renegotiated. How can I actually start to co-create with this other human being something that will feel better than this fucked up place we're at? Something that will feel better for both of us. And they step out of the expectation, out of the entitlement, out of the like demands, out of the like, oh no, this is your job. And they say they, all of that falls away and they're like, okay, what can we create together that's going to be good for you and good for me? What do you, what do you want more of? What, what are you like, here's what I would like, here's what you would like. And they start to co-create something from the ground up and it ends up being amazing and beautiful and something that will grow and get better over time. Yeah. There's something these, these covert contracts that yeah. we create, like I'm, I just assume this role and that's conscious sometimes, mm-hmm. but all this unconscious stuff that comes with, well, because I've assumed this role, that means that you're going to be this way with yeah. me. Yeah. Right. And then, and then it's happening on the other side as well. Right. Well, because mm-hmm. I do this and I do this at home or whatever traditional or non-traditional roles we fall into, yeah. we end up creating all these yeah, these like covert contracts that are never communicated, right? But felt, yeah, right, felt in the space. Yeah, and so like I, w- I would say I have a few basic roles as a coach when I'm working with someone. Yeah, translation. So I listen to I I listen to one person until I really see the world through their eyes. And then I listen to the other person, and I keep listening until I see the world through their eyes. Then. One person will say something to me and I'll say it slightly different, just a little bit different to the other person. And they're like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. And then the first person's like, oh my God, I've been saying this to you for years. Why is it that he can say it? But there's, there's, a, there's just these like subtle ways that, that, that people don't hear each other. So that's the first piece is translation. But the other big piece is getting them to see the relationship they could be having is better than the one they've been trying and failing to get to happen. So they've been trying and getting and trying and it's not working, 
But even if they succeeded, that relationship, like even if it was exactly the way they, they envisioned it, would be here. But what's possible if they start co-creating, like two brains are better than one. What you've been trying to do is you've got your idea about what, what would be great, and you've been trying to fit them into it. That's going to, even if you succeeded, that would get here. But if we start from scratch and you start co-creating, that could get you a relationship that's so much better than the one you've even been trying and failing to, to get to get to happen. So that switch of like just ripping off all of the expectations, all the preconceptions, all the ideas, the deeply ingrained ideas about what's supposed to happen, and actually get into real-time connection with this other human being. What are some of those things that people oftentimes like don't even see is possible that they could get out of these kind of relationships? Like you obviously... I imagine you help hold a bigger vision for their relationship than they can sometimes, you know, sometimes like we're more, I don't know, for me, like some of my clients, like I'm more committed to their vision than they are in some yeah. ways. You know what I mean? Cause I'm yeah, just yeah. like, you're not even, you know what You're not even, you're like you said, you've set the bar pretty fucking low, man. <laughs> like, yeah. You know I mean? yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. Like yeah. the, the, it could be so much better than even what you're trying to get to happen. So, um, I mean, there's so many of them, but it's more in the, it's in the way that they say it that you can see that it's more of an expectation than, than something real. So let's say a woman said, like, if a woman isn't getting what she wants and there's a judgment in there about how he's failing as a man because he's not, like, I don't care what the thing is, but if she's like, well, if you were a real man, you would do blah, 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 blah. Do you get that? Do you hear that? I do. Because, Ouch. well, the thing is, like, worse, the, the, these beliefs are the water that we swim in. So it, they're so inside of us that we don't even know how to question them. And so there's the things I would like you to do, some of which you're a yes to, some of which you're a no to. And then there's the things that I, if you don't do them, I think there's something wrong with you and you're failing. And it's those that are the ones that like prevent that person from seeing the other person. Mm. So I was talking about translation before. So <laughs> this person A says something to me. They've been saying it to the other one for years. Yeah. Then I say it to the I say it to this person, all, all of a sudden they can hear it. And they say, What did you do different? And I say, I said exactly my best understanding of what you were trying to say. Exactly what I thought you were trying to say. Speaking to someone who is sane, intelligent, mature, and that I have high regard for. Mm. That's literally all I did. I have seen the world through this person's eyes. I inherently see them as a right human being. I can see the, the breakdown here, but I'm going to talk to them like a sane, intelligent uh, human being who's mature and, and who, who I have high regard for. Mm -hmm. And if I can just get them to talk to each other, like when you have, contem when you have contempt, yeah. you cannot communicate anything. When you have disdain, you can't communicate anything. So my wife taught me this. Like, this was amazing that she said she's ruthlessly protective of her high regard for me. That means she can be angry. She can be, like, there's all these places that she can go where, like, 
we talk about nonviolent communication where, you know, you have to de-escalate your emotions before you can communicate. No, I don't have that role. I want you to be a passionate human being. If you're angry, I want you to, to be angry, right? But the way that we have to dis distinguish between anger and vindictiveness, anger and meanness, anger and like being purposely hurtful. So her, her rule is she, hold, she will not let her high regard for me go below 51%. Mm. And because of that, she can have the full range of emotions. I think we're healthiest when we have a full range of healthy emotions. Mm -hmm. And she, she can be very articulate when she's talking to me, right? She can, she can actually say the thing. Um, and that's, that, that changed everything. It's like how to, how to get into fights without causing wreckage. Yeah. And so this piece around how you regard the other person. And so how this ties into what we were talking about a minute ago is when you, when it's, when you, in your mind, it is so basic that this person should be doing this other thing. It is so basic and foundational that they should be doing this other thing and they're not. And so I start to see, I start to belittle them in their mind. No, I've stopped seeing them as a human being. If I understand how from their point of view what they're doing makes sense and is right, then I can communicate something to them that I couldn't communicate otherwise. And I can actually get the change that I'm looking for. But first I I have to do the work of seeing them as a right human being. Mm -hmm. before, that's what enables me to actually communicate something different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something I've been, I love that. There's something I've been toying with around like everybody holding the view that everybody is doing exactly like the best that they should or the best that they can yeah. given the information and the history that they have and yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Like they are doing the absolute, they're making the choices that make the most sense, yeah. even if they feel hurtful or disconnecting or, and if I can just hold somebody else in that, like, Oh, they have a really good reason for being the way they are right now. Then you can start to eliminate some of that disdain or the contempt or I can hold them in reverence still yeah. and hold them in their humanity. Yeah. Because one thing that I, I've experienced is, is both ways in, in previous relationships and even in my current relationship is like when we disconnect from their humanity, we literally become dehumanizing. Yeah. Right. And we, we see them, we almost objectify them as a way to meet a need and yeah. a way that, that they should be doing things rather than the full spectrum human and the history and their, you know, uh, the context of their lives and everything that actually fosters deeper connection. Mm -hmm. We almost eliminate all of that and they just become this, this object of contention, essentially, where yeah. it's like, you're not doing the thing that I want you to do, and now I'm, I'm pissed, yeah. and now I'm going to keep asking you to do it, but I can't do it in a way because I'm not, like, I'm, I'm coming from this place of contempt. So even if they wanted to meet my need, like, they can't even hear me through all the noise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think when there's a, when there's a battle or disagreement, or friction, or a place where they're 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 not seeing eye to eye. The solution to that is going to come from the person who's best equipped to see the other person's point of view. Mm -hmm. So, for example, like it rarely ever happens these days, but in the beginning, with with my wife and and I, uh, there were moments when. She like she can't hear me. I can't hear her. 
we're both speaking at each other and the solution is going to be one of us has to set aside temporarily what the point we're trying to make in order to have the other person feel fully heard and you keep you keep listening and uh, like the like the superficial way is you repeat back what they that's not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You keep listening until you can truly understand, you can truly grok what they're trying to say and the way that they see the world. And you'll know because the, the you'll 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 say this is what I think this is what I think you're saying and they'll say yes. Mm. And the instant they feel seen and heard, a door opens that was closed before that now there might be an opportunity for them to hear you. And so it is not me all the time that does that. It's not her all the time. It can't be this. It can't be the same person. And it also can't be tit for tat. Like you did it the last time. So Mm -hmm. I, I, or I did the last time. So you have no there. It has to be whoever right now is most capable of temporarily setting aside. Okay. I'm going to actually turn my attention to you and what you're trying to say until you feel heard. Then a door can open and it can actually be a dialogue that right now we're locked, we're locked and we can't have that dialogue. Yeah. Like I think to your point, we're just speaking at each other and a lot's being said, but nothing's getting in. Both doors are locked, right? It's like, and that's, that can be a really hard thing for people to put into practice especially if we come to a relationship with some wounding around not being heard. Yeah. Right. So it takes for, I do a lot of work with the nervous system. And I think to that point, whoever's nervous system can kind of be more grounded in a moment and be a bit more stable to, like you said, set us believing that our partner holding in regard that our partner does want to hear us, assuming that they do. Right. And I, I'd hope that anybody in a relationship is under the assumption that, and, and wants to hear their partner as well as be heard that we can set aside just for that moment knowing like, okay, I know later I can, I can be heard. I can get my piece of the story out. Yeah. But for now I'm going to set that aside and just be with whatever is coming at, at me. And I love how you're kind of distinguishing like a lot of the, it's pretty clunky, like a Mago and, and nonviolent communication where we're like, Oh, I'm just going to say the exact same thing back to you. And it's a little bit robotic. You know what yeah. I mean? There's, it's lacking the, real heartfelt sense of like, no, I really see you. Yeah. And you do well, notice, I know in those moments you'll see it in their, their whole body will relax. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to, my, my rule of thumb is you have to keep listening to them until you can see their sanity. Yeah. Until you have regained uh, this piece around high regard until you have regained your capacity to see them as, you know, intelligent, mature, uh, adult who actually has a point of view that is that that is reasonable. You keep listening until you can see the world through their eyes, and uh, you can regain your high regard for them, and you can see them the way you said. Like the, everyone is doing the best they can given what given you know their background. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and there's a whole other just every understanding as I brought in my understanding of just all the hardships and traumas and modeling and lack of modeling that people have gone through, what they're bringing to the table in relationship. I used to think that 
I could somehow find a woman that just won't have any history like that. You know what I mean? Or any yeah. partner, right? It's just, it's just this absolutely ridiculous belief to think that everyone's going to bring their own flavor of stuff yeah. to a relationship that eventually you have to surrender to being with and choose into, which I think is, doesn't mean that you have to, like I said, again, like, um, endure things that just don't work, but at least get rid of the false belief that there's not going to be some work involved, which means setting aside your rightness, mm-hmm. setting aside your self-righteousness, yeah. setting aside the, the ways that you think things should happen and should be done yeah. and really accepting someone's entire experience and like way of living and way yeah. of being and their humanity fully. And it's important that that's not acquiescence. It doesn't mean that the other person always gets your their way and you never get your way. It's actually the doorway to... Um, them hearing you more and you getting more of of your wants and desires met and like it's how you get from from being in being in a locked position to this place of co-creation of okay I now we're back in the territory where we we recognize that we're collaborators Mm -hmm. we're creating we're we're doing this together you know you're you're my partner you're my partner in crime here. You're the, my co-conspirator in like, a, you're the person I want to do life with. What are we creating together? That's yeah. how you get back to that state. It's, yeah. It's and, all listening. And it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it only takes one person to do it. And I'll say this again. It can't be the same person every time. Like both people need to have the skill that either one of them, whoever, like whoever is best equipped in that moment can be the one who 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 takes off the fight, recognizes the fight that they're in, recognizes the lock that they they themselves are in, and sets that aside. Both people need to, to, to be able to do that. Yeah. So uh, there's one more thing I want yeah. to say about that. I there's this idea in the polarity world that the feminine is chaotic. And that our job is to be grounded and and like be like hold space for for the chaos, and I think that is a deeply dehumanizing lens through which to see relationships. And what I see is like we as men, uh, not like our our emotional range gets um chopped off even if we even you know there's some acknowledgement that oh like men can have their feminine i think even that like even that is going to be like no my emotions aren't masculine or feminine i'm emotional human being Mm -hmm. and so we i often am coaching couples and we get to this place where she's mad at him for having feelings, for being an emotional human being. And, and, and we, we get to this place where we're laughing about it because like, no, you're, you're taking away, like I'm the one who gets to be emotional. You get to be the one who handles me, you know, and, and I help them dismantle all that so they, they can support each other in that way without looking at it through the lens of, oh, he's being feminine here, you know, and yeah. she has to step into it. no. I throw all of that out and say, no, we're going to talk about like we're well-rounded human beings here. Yeah. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in the polarity world and I think it has a very, 
a pretty small avenue where it can be very useful and opening. But mm-hmm. I think in general, to your point, it's dehumanizing, but it also often gets taken as ammunition in a relationship to say like, Oh, well, why aren't you grounded and present? Or like, you know, or why are you so chaotic? Or like, why aren't you radiant and beautiful right now? You know what I mean? I did the thing and all this kind of stuff. And we, we weaponize it against each other because they're not showing up in some particular flavor of energy, which really is just the same thing as we, we, we wrap it up in a, in a language, right? This polarity language, because it sounds more elevated or conscious or whatever like that. But it's just the same thing. We're putting expectations and we're putting, all these uh, shoulds and ideas on how other people should be in almost a more constricting way, right? Because it is is quite dehumanizing. And I've noticed my, I've noticed I've fallen to that judgment before in the past just from hearing all that language and I've noticed it come up in relationship from the other side as well, right? And just, if we can just let go of all of that and that we're both human beings, have a human experience and we're both allowed, it's our God-given right to experience every emotion and never does using that language have I ever experienced it bringing people closer to connection. Yeah, I agree. I used to teach masculine and feminine and I got to a place with my colleagues where we were like, how can we come up with a better definition of masculine and feminine, something that's more modern? And so we spent a lot of time. We created a Facebook group. We had thousands of people in the Facebook group talking about like, how we can create this new model of masculine feminine. And I ended up thinking this is hopeless and that at its best, these are two buckets into which we can sort a whole variety of healthy human traits and characteristics and behaviors. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I just threw the buckets out. So there, I went through this period of time where I did not use that languaging at all. And every time I was going to say, oh, masculine, oh, feminine, instead I thought, what are the traits, what are the qualities, what are the beliefs, what are the behaviors that I'm using that stand-in for? And talk about those things uh, directly. So if someone needs to be more assertive, we talk about assertiveness. We yeah. don't talk about masculine. Be more masculine. If yeah. someone needs more to be more nurturing or more in touch with their emotions or you know like getting getting a man to see who believes that he's rational who believes that he's reasonable rational and yeah those women they're just like they're irrational but you you, you gotta love them you know that whole that whole vibe Mm -hmm. to get him to see his own emotions underneath running the show Mm -hmm. and how irrational he is is. and he starts to see his own humanity and he starts to see her her humanity and he can actually start to understand her better Mm -hmm. when he stops treating that quality as foreign or mysterious or will never understand no you could no she's actually very sophisticated emotionally and you don't have the emotional sophistication to understand what she's you actually need some of what she is in order to have this relationship be amazing that, that is so beautiful. You know, so much of this from what I'm hearing from you is just really looking at our side of the street, yeah. right? Really at the end of the day, if we just continue to kind of look at our own stuff and our side of the street and where do they make sense? Where are they right? Where are they, where are they have access to something that I don't, yeah. and especially when it comes in the realm of emotions, because I can make a, I'm going to make a generalization here that, you know, women just have access to uh, emotional depth and, and, and a complexity of emotions that we just like don't, you know yeah. what I mean? We just come into the world a little bit more 
crusty and like kind of like inaccessible for the most part. And I think yeah. that's definitely evolving with humanity yeah. just as men, men are honoring their sensitivities more yeah. for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I'm guilty as, as I'm sure many men that are watching or listening to this of just putting all that in a bucket and just cause, Oh, that's just like the way they are. Like, Oh, they're kind of crazy. Right. Like, yeah. oh, that's just the, the feminine craziness, you know? And like, I don't ever get it and it's irrational and stuff. And then, like you said, I think anybody that spends even 15 minutes in meditation realizes how insane we are and yes. how irrational we are. Yes. Like there's no rationale. We, we might dress it up as rational, you know, but if we really look uh, like under the hood, like you were saying, it's it's we're all chaos. Yeah, we're all chaos, right? Yeah. yeah, and what's funny about it is, while we're saying all those things about women, we're also outsourcing the to them that it's their job to be the emotional center of. Yeah. You know, like I they they are they're supposed to handle their own emotions and my and my emotions as well instead of actually learning the skills right mm -hmm. like we were in relationship for how it feels that is the at the end that's actually why we're together so you know it's important for us to instead of outsourcing it to them as their job to actually learn those skills ourselves for ourselves and also so that we can play that role for, for, for them as well. Because that is necessary. It is absolutely necessary for the relationship. It is. And, 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 and for me, that thinks of like that type of practicing of like building that sensitivity and be able to be there for them actually gives us access to be there for our friends in a better way, yeah. for, you know, for our employees, if we're business owners, for our children, yeah. certainly. Yeah. Right. There's, it just, it's not just that overflows into everywhere else in our life. And certainly the deeper capacity that I have developed in myself to be with my own emotional experience and my own, you know, depth and chaos and whatever it is, everything that I feel, just my humanity obviously just gives me access to be with it. Cause I, I that's where empathy and compassion is born. Yeah. Right? And it's also the seat of intuition. Like we were talking mm -hmm. about, like knowing something about, about her that before she has to say it, Yeah, like, what a gift it's the source is. it's a source of the intuitive connection of like oh we're having sex you were you were enjoying it genuinely 30 seconds ago but about 30 seconds ago you started going through the motions your 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 sensation went down but you started you got into pretending mode no you can't you can't fool me anymore i can actually feel the difference yeah. or um the, 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 this is another example of like the guy says I can tell she wants me to get up and do the dishes why doesn't she just communicate to me that she wants me to do that like our lives would be so much simpler if she would just tell me that that's what she, I can feel her mm -hmm. and I'm like no if you know that's what she wants you to be doing then she communicated to you like <laughs> you're 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 actually uh demonizing your own like the no the intuition that you have that that's actually what you want is you should be listening to that all the time <coughs> even if you say to her i have a feeling you want me to do the dishes i'm going to do them i'm planning to do them an hour from now but but that intuition that you're throwing out the window and wishing she's communicated in man speak to you is actually the the thing you should be using 
to so so that she doesn't look insane or crazy or mysterious. That's very <coughs> profound. Yeah, really profound statement. There is an acknowledgement because that is it, it is a way of communicating, right? Yeah. What you're feeling and, and when you shut that out and demonize her, I think what I heard too is you're actually severing your access to your own intuition, mm-hmm. which is such a really powerful tool to use through the world everywhere. Like yeah. every aspect of your life outside a relationship improves if you're in touch with that sensitivity and in your intuition. I think that's such a gift that a woman can offer you mm-hmm. because she, oftentimes she already has such an attuned sense to her own intuition, yeah. to her own sensitivity in life. And if she can kind of teach you, mm-hmm. right, how to be attuned to her, then you attune to yourself and you, you can actually end up gaslighting yourself a little bit otherwise to be like, oh, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're kind of gaslighting her like, uh, and then you're kind of doing it to yourself too and mm-hmm. cutting yourself off from this very deep instinctive power, magic, essentially. Really. That is, that would improve your relationship so much oh my if goodness. you would just yeah. actually. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I, my experience is like women could ask you, but they don't want to because they right. want to know that you're feeling them, that you're that sensitive, yeah. that you're that aware, that you're that present to the moment. I don't know if many women have received the gift of, I hope they do, of, of men that can intuit what they need before they ask mm-hmm. in all situations, in sex, in yeah. all these ways, or sometimes even into it, but almost even before them sometimes. Like they do something above and beyond yeah. what the woman would even had an expectation of or thought that she needed. And she's yeah, like, yeah. wow, I didn't even know I wanted or needed that. And now yeah. I'm receiving it from you. That is like magic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's this thing where, Guys complain that women want them to have ESP. Like, I don't have ESP. No, that's not true. If you listen to that 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 inner voice and start actually giving it credence and acting on it and then seeing if you are right, like that feedback loop of cultivating your intuition, you can actually get to the place where it feels like ESP. And the reason she knows that, that you can do that is because she does that with you all the time in yeah. ways you're aware of and not aware of. Like... This joke about how women pers- experience men as having like a, a, a ticker tape going across their forehead. And like, <laughs> you know, we, we have that capability too and, and you could actually cultivate it and use it and make your relationship so much better. Yeah, yeah, that's such a, it's, it's just such a beautiful way of too of like honoring the gifts that she has because mm-hmm. things that we don't understand, we often discard or judge. Yeah. But if we were to just be open and receptive enough and believe me, I'm as guilty as anyone for kind of being like, ah, because I can't get away with anything. It is like I have a ticker tape. I can't be dishonest. I can't yeah. lie. I can't say I did something for one reason, but I actually had another intention. Yeah. I can, I, I never get off the, the hook and you know, my reaction in the past has been to, to get defensive or to be like, no, no, no. But like, <laughs> if I'm really honest and I take some space, I realize, holy, f- how the fuck did she know that? Like, yeah. how is she so dialed in yeah. and seeing that as a gift, right? Because yeah. she can really not only like attune you to that own ability in yourself, like you said, ESP, but also just the the wisdom that she can contribute to your relationship as well as how much you can learn about yourself is so profound if you're receptive and open and 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 not casting that as anything other than one of the in my opinion one of the gifts that women can really contribute and offer a relationship. Yeah. Yeah, you want someone who knows you that well. Yeah. You want someone that you can't get away with anything who knows you so well that like 
your best option is to be honest. You want someone who's that dialed in yep. and you want to be that for for her as well where if she, you know, the old joke about, you know, if you say, how are you doing? And she says, fine. And you can feel, <laughs> no, you want that skill. You want yeah. that skill where she can't fake it in bed, where she can't, you know, like uh, be dishonest about what's going on inside of her. That's, that's the rich, that's where the relationship gets really amazing. That's so beautiful. And, yeah. and so co- confronting for so many people too. You know, those are those moments that people oftentimes I think turn away because it feels like too much or too much work, right? It's like, yeah. no, but that's what, you, you hope your relationship calls you up, mm-hmm. like calls you forward, right? Yeah. So as we're beginning to wind down here, I'm just curious. I want to ask, given everything that you've kind of shared today and, and all the, you know, you've been doing this work for 20 plus years and the thousands of people I'm sure that you've worked with, like what are just some fundamental things that a couple or someone in a relationship listening to this or watching this could start today that kind of would move the dial the most, you know, one or two things that they could go home or after listening to this, they could put their phone down or whatever and be like, okay, I want to bring this to my relationship because it's going to move us forward in a direction of, of everything that you've shared, deeper intimacy, more connection, going to places we never even thought possible, better sex, all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to sound, uh, like an oversimplification, but in a lot of ways, what we've been talking about is just a different way of communicating mm-hmm. where you, Stop um, lying. You're like, you make an agreement with yourself. Like I made a vow to myself that I wasn't going to be dishonest in my relationship. Even if I thought I could, I could tell a little white lie that would make the relationship better for me. And she wouldn't know because, Mm -hmm. you know, no, what's most important to me is someone who knows me so well that that were dialed in that way right so that means i have to never ever 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 gaslight because every time you gaslight there's the intuitive like a unconscious intuition and then you said something else and they trust you so they're gonna go with that but now their intuition has been has been tweaked Mm. and little by little you're making their intuition more and more untrustworthy. So maybe they're doing what you think they want you to do, but you've lost the, the spidey sense. So right. start being honest about stuff you haven't been honest about. Start talking about difficult things that you've been avoiding like landmines because it didn't feel good to talk about. And make a vow to yourself that you will maintain your high regard for the other person. And if you ever, if you notice while you're talking to them that you start to have contempt or disdain or think they're dumb or that there's something wrong with them because of how they're doing things, you have to do the work to, to, by talking with them, regain your sense of their, of high regard for them so that you can stay in the conversation. And if you do those two things, then you can really start to talk about the stuff that hasn't been getting talked about and start to actually get back into collaborative co-creation of how you want your lives to be that's going to be better than the two clashing visions that both of you have been so, so dedicated to. Yeah, just entrenched in. Yeah, create something new that's better. 
That's so beautiful. And what I love about that, both those points, is it's all about taking responsibility and making agreements to yourself. Yeah. Like they could be showing up the exact same way, but you've made these agreements to hold them in high regard. And you've made these agreements to be honest. And I think from that place, you the, the relationship, they'll, they'll be naturally almost called to a, a higher way of, of, of relating to you as well. Yeah, and you can reflect back to them too. Like, I want to hear what you're saying, but right now the way you're talking to me is so disrespectful that that I can't hear you. Like yeah. you can, you, you know, you can do that as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ken. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. Just one last thing: where can people find out about your work? How do you work with people? You know, just share a little bit about how people can connect with you if they if they resonate with what you're saying, which I imagine every single human should. <laughs> you know, if they want a healthy, happy relationship, uh, how can they? How can they? Yeah. Get more of it. Um, well, the easiest thing is to go to kenblackman.com. I also have a, a blog on Medium with a lot of the, goes into a lot of detail about the stuff that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So I'll share that link with you and you can share it with your, with your audience. I'll put it in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for, for coming out and having this conversation with me. And uh, yeah, I really, I really, really appreciate it today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's been a fantastic conversation. Awesome. Yeah. All right, y'all, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Undomesticate podcast with Ken Blackman. Again, I highly recommend you check out his work. In fact, after I recorded this episode, I hired Ken for a few sessions to work on some relational stuff and his nuance, the way he was able to dial things in, the way way he was able to hold a relationship and hold a conversation and have both people really seen and felt and understood was immensely powerful. He also calls you on the ways that you're projecting, that you're full of shit, that you're doing the thing, that you're kind of blaming the other person doing, you know, how relationship can go that way. We get locked into these dynamics. Ken can break all that apart. It's really, really powerful stuff. And I highly recommend his work. Big shout out to Ken for showing up, for saying yes to this conversation. And if you enjoy this conversation, if you made it this far in the podcast, please let me know. Don't just sit there, be an idle listener. Connect with me on Instagram, connect with me on YouTube, connect with me on any social media platform that I'm on uh, at I am Evan Meyer all across the internet. You can find me there. Let me know what you think. And of course, if you do love this show, go ahead and leave a review. I love you guys. And I'll see you next time on the Undomesticate podcast.